We are ultimately called to resist the devil, to fight against the world that follows him, and of course to overcome sin, and in particular the sin that still dwells within our members. And that will cause some form of hardship in the here and now, but we are not supposed to fear that. We are to stay focused on the Lord and on His will presently and whatever the cost because what we have to gain far exceeds anything this world has to offer. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be seeing that what really matters is what happens after all of this. Everything in the here and now demands our most intense attention. Whether they're small things or significant things, they all strive to captivate our focus. And Satan most of all uses all of that, the things that seem like good circumstances, as well as hardship and pain, all with the goal to take away our focus from the Lord and His will. Satan and the world are both promoters of distractions, so we must stay focused on the Lord if we want to attain what really matters. Today's message is inspired on Luke chapter 6, verses 20 to 26. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, blessing and honor and glory and praise be to you, O Lord God. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father. I give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord, for your goodness and mercy. Heavenly Father, I pray that your will be done, that your kingdom come, Lord God. Heavenly Father, that in all things your name may be glorified. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray, O Lord, for your mercy and for your grace, for your forgiveness, O Lord, for all of our sins. Please, Heavenly Father, Holy God, do not treat us according to our sins, but always remember us in your loving kindness. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that you help us, O God, to stay focused on the things that really matter, Lord. Help us, O Lord, to be able to keep our focus, O Lord, our attention on you, Lord God on your word, on your will, Heavenly Father. Help us to always be able to see the bigger picture, that everything that is here and now will one day go away, Lord God. But what you have is eternal, and that's what really matters. Help us, O Lord, to stay focused on those things that really last forever, Lord God. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Today's key passage is in Luke chapter 6, verses 20 to 26. This is the word of the Lord. Then he lifted up his eyes toward his disciples and said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast you out your name as evil. For the Son of Man's sake, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for did their fathers to the false prophets. Is it a requirement for us to have to be poor or hungry or sad or be hated and reviled in order for us to be blessed in the kingdom of God? Not necessarily. I know that one reason for why many people shy away from getting close to the Lord is that they are afraid that they will need to suffer as a result 
of that closeness with him. It's not that God wants us necessarily to suffer here in this world. We always need to remember our true enemy, who is both the devil and sin. I would hope that most people would realize that you cannot be friends with the devil. The devil has no friends no matter how much he offers you, because he can offer you certain things. The devil can offer you an apparent freedom to do whatever you want. He can offer you power, wealth, and fame, and make no mistake. He is able to grant you many of these things, but in return for your soul. That's his price. Sin is your enemy also. The devil is an agent for sin. His desire is to entice you to sin against yourself and God. So no matter how appealing or enjoyable sin looks at the moment, the price for giving in to sin is death. For it is written, for the wages of sin is death. The problem with both following the devil and sin is that they will lead you to death no matter what things seem like at the moment. The devil is a liar and a deceiver. He makes wrong seem right and death seem like life. He is a master of counterfeit. But the problem is that sooner or later, sin causes some sort of hardship, some sort of pain and suffering. Sin brings about loneliness and fear. And so the culprit or the reason for why we suffer in this world is because of sin. If a person suffers poverty, it is somehow related to sin. If a person suffers hunger, it's because of sin. If we cry or feel sorrow, it's because of sin. Hatred is a product of sin. And so whether it be a result of our sins or the sins of others or a sin within the environment, sin is at the root of all of our problems. And that's why we suffer. Now, some might ask, if God made everything, then why would he allow for sin to exist? And the answer is choice. God did not make sin, but he allowed for it to exist somehow so that every human being could have the opportunity of choice, free will. Why? Because he did not intend to make robots per se out of us. He made us living beings with reason, with the ability to think and understand and to have feelings. And his desire has always been, even before he created man, that each being, even spiritual beings, have the right to choose, that they have free will. And why is that? Because that is what love is all about. In love, there's always choice, never obligation. God has subjected everything to love. He doesn't want to be followed by us or anyone because we have no choice, nothing else to do. He wants us to follow him, to love him out of our own free will. Despite all of the attraction and adversity that sin produces, he desires for us to choose for him. That is what he is after. That is why he has chosen to allow for sin to exist. And that is why we may encounter hardship and suffering in this world because again, sin will cause hardship and pain to someone and or yourself at some point. This world became the lost place that it is because sin entered into it one day. God made everything very good, but sin ruined it all the day it entered this world through man's disobedience. God gave all things to man, but rather than heeding God's advice to stay away from the forbidden fruit, man allowed for himself to be tempted and believe more the deceitful words of someone he owed nothing to than to the God that made him and gave him all things. And since then, we have what we have in this world. And so can we conclude that God wants us to suffer? No. His true will is not for us to suffer, 
but he does want for us to overcome this world, to overcome sin. And this leads us to the second reason for why he allowed for sin exist. And that is to test every single person to see if they are worthy to receive and or enter his kingdom. God's kingdom is something that is incredible and very hard to imagine, especially to our finite and limited minds. And he cannot allow for just anyone to enter it after the fall of man. Man could have entered his kingdom before because they were sinless, but not after sin entered the human race. We became contaminated. So he has allowed for sin to exist to see if we're able to overcome all of the odds and to prepare us through that resistance for what is coming. The Bible teaches that if we are faithful with the little we have here and now, that he will set us upon greater things, greater responsibilities. In Luke chapter 19, we see, for instance, the parable of the Minas. And it talks about a certain nobleman who gave Minas to his servants to trade with so that they would increase his gains. And the servants who were found faithful, those who gained gains, were placed upon cities to rule over on the gains they attained. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we are also told that we will judge the world and even the angels in the afterlife. For it says, Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? So we are told quite clearly that if we can't handle the small present things, how can we deal with the more important and eternal things? And the Bible also tells us that we are to amass treasures in heaven rather than on earth. So we are to gain heavenly rewards that far away our financial wealth anyone could ever have in this life. And that's why he even counsels us to strive for that reward. As it is written in Matthew chapter 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so God will give us authority, the power to judge, and some form of wealth that transcends anything we could ever imagine in the here and now. Therefore, the eternal life that he promises us has really nothing to do with playing harps and clouds. And in the book of Revelation, we are given a clearer picture of what the quality of life will be like and who will be allowed to enter and who will not be allowed to enter his kingdom. For it says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. 
but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And so we can conclude that God has allowed for certain things to exist so he can verify if we are willing to deal with those things, endure those things, and come out more worthy through the Lord Jesus Christ so we can attain the things that truly matter. We always need to keep in mind that this world and everything in it will one day all go away. The word of God is very clear in this, for it says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. That's why we should not give so much priority to the present things. We are even advised to not worry so much about the here and now. For it also says this in Matthew, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, does this mean that we just give everything up and just let things happen however they're going to be? Not necessarily. It's a matter of priority what we're taught and that we need to stay focused on what really matters. The Lord and doing his will should be our number one priority, far above our family, our friends, our studies, and our careers and work, and of course, our delights and comfort. We will encounter hardship as we go through this life, but as a matter of priority, God tells us to let go of the present things and rest them on him, and to take on what he desires for us to do here and now. For the Lord also said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And he also said this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. And here is where we come back to the beginning, to our key passage. There may be decisions we may need to make for the Lord that could compromise our financial standing, or as a result of other sins, or just because of the way the world is. And he says that if we are poor for his sake, 
we will receive his kingdom. If we are hungry for the same reasons, he promises us that we will be filled. If we cry and suffer in the present for the same reasons, he will give us joy. And of course, if we are hated because of his sake for standing up for what is right and pleasing before the Lord, he promises us that in the judgment day, we will rejoice and even leave for joy because of the reward he will give us in eternity. And he warned those that are rich, is it bad to be rich? No. The problem comes when a person loves money and doesn't help his fellow man in their time of need. We're to help the true needy. And I say the true needy because we're supposed to discern if a person really has needs or just wants and desires and is looking to take advantage of others. But despite running the risk of being taken advantage of, we're still supposed to help meet the needs of those that just simply cannot help themselves practically. There are people that just have no way to get what they need on their own. He also warned the fool. Now, who is that? Those that only worry about themselves, about fulfilling their own desires and to the point that they don't even know what to do with themselves anymore. They are full. Is it wrong to take care of your own needs? Of course not, especially if God has given you the honest means to do so. But don't be selfish. Don't just think about number one all of the time. And the Lord also warned those that laugh now. Now, is it bad to have a good time? No, but don't forget about those that are suffering, that need encouragement, love, support, and help. Life cannot just be about looking for the next good time and ignoring those around you that are less fortunate, ignoring those that are hurting. And finally, is it bad if people speak well of us? Yes, if we get them to speak well of us because we're saying the wrong things. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are to stand for his truth. And his truth is not always pleasant. We need to acknowledge sin as sin. Whatever God says is sin. We need to draw lines and stand up for what is right. And with that, we will find adversity because most people do love sin, support sin, and they do love doing what is wrong. Throughout all of this, we are ultimately called to resist the devil, to fight against the world that follows him, and of course to overcome sin, and in particular the sin that still dwells within our members. And that will cause some form of hardship in the here and now, but we are not supposed to fear that. We are to stay focused on the Lord and on his will presently, and whatever the cost, because what we have to gain far exceeds anything this world has to offer, and we will enjoy the things we gain for all eternity. And so I leave this last thought and encourage you to make it your greatest priority as you press forward if you have made a genuine decision to follow the Lord. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. In whatever circumstance you find yourself, always consider Christ and what he went through for you so you could have eternal life and eternal reward. Those things that far outweigh any circumstance and anything this world has to offer. Are things here and now important? It depends on what they are. 
But we always need to remember that the here and now, although may seem important in the grand scheme of things, is really nothing compared to the expanse and extent of eternity. And if we choose to follow and serve the Lord Jesus Christ by putting away sin in our lives and making fulfilling His will our main priority, what we have to gain is so much more valuable and important than anything this world and or Satan has to offer. The pleasures of sin are no match to the great and eternal blessings God has for those that choose to love Him. And in contrast, our most devastating and painful hardship here and now also does not even come close to the eternal life that God promises to those that choose to be faithful to Him through whatever circumstance they might face. The eternal life and reward God offers through the Lord Jesus Christ is far superior to anything we could ever experience in the present world. This is why we should always keep the bigger picture in mind. We should always think about the future when making decisions in the present. We should be mindful of how our present condition and decisions will affect that eternal future God has for us. If we didn't have to worry about it and could just take it for granted, then would God say throughout His Word how much we should value what is coming and how much we should strive for it and how much we need to love Him and give Him the priority over everything so we could attain it through the Lord Jesus Christ? The Word of God says this in Luke chapter 13. Then one said to Him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And He said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. Where are you from? And so the Lord encouraged us to strive to enter through the narrow gate, which means put aside any and all concerns when it comes to the kingdom of God. Give the Lord the priority whether you're going through difficult circumstances or whether you're experiencing moments of plenty and indulgence. If we learn to love the Lord with everything we are, then He will become the priority and we will attain what really matters. And so stay focused on the Lord and on His will and let everything else fall into place after that. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I praise you and I worship you for your mercy and for your grace. I give you thanks, O Lord God, because through your mercy and grace, you've given us salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. You've given us the forgiveness of sins, Heavenly Father. And you've given us, O Lord, the hope of eternal life and eternal reward. Help us, O Lord, to understand that there are far greater things that await for us if we choose to follow you, to remain faithful to you, to love you with everything that we are, to give you the priority that you deserve as the Lord and God that you are. Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray, O Lord, Heavenly Father, that you help us to always think of the bigger picture, especially when making decisions here and now, Lord God. Help us not to worry so much about here and now, but to give everything the appropriate priority, Lord God, before you. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord, because you have done all things out of your grace and mercy, Lord God, because we could never deserve them. I give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name I pray. Amen. 
please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes Store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you. Mm-hmm.